Hey, Sarah, uh, what's on your shirt? All right. Um, yeah, I had to cue Ben up because I knew that you wouldn't be able to see what my shirt said. And I wore it today because we're talking about Sabbath. And if you can't see this far, it says... You want me to leave now, right? This is... Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> this is my day off sweatshirt. So if you see me wearing this, then it might be my day off. Today is not my day off, as you can see. Um, but I got this shirt when I was on vacation um, in 2018. And I thought it was very appropriate for us to be wearing today as... Um, we're discussing Sabbath. So as Pastor Ben said, I'm Sarah. I'm pastor of Outreach here at Mosaic Church, and it is really, really great to spend the morning with you, whether you're online with us or here in person. Uh, we are in the second week of the Rule of Life series, exploring the first foundational practice of rest. And that is where all of our spiritual life as Christians come from. It does not come from work. We come, we, we begin the Christian life out of rest. Now, I want to acknowledge something that might be obvious. About 50% of us in this room are hearing the word rule of life and reacting a little bit. For some of us, we feel the word rule is a little bit oppressive. Now, some of you are going, you know, you're rule followers and you're like, finally, some order around here, okay? But for those of you who find rule or the word rule a little bit suspicious or like, what are they trying to do? Are they trying to control me? I feel you. You are my people. I get it, okay? So let me just explain a little bit about how I'm pursuing and understanding this concept of the role of life. Uh, first off, the word rule is really more of an ancient um, term that it has almost like kind of Catholic, ancient Christian origin. So the way that we think about rule as in like a very strict standard that we're trying to follow, that's not exactly what we are saying here. What we're saying is this is a set of order, a set of rhythms or rituals that you can implement in your life that will give you more freedom and more joy. Um, I prefer the word ritual. That word really frees me up. So if, that's, if you need to steal that, you go right ahead. I'm going to quote another woman who says it even better, Margaret Gunther. She's an Anglican priest, and she says, A good rule can set us free to be our true and best selves. It is a working document, a kind of spiritual budget, not carved in stone, but subject to regular review and revision. It should support us, but never restrict us. Do you feel a little better? Feel like you can breathe a little bit, okay, for those of you who needed that? Okay, I know I feel a little bit better. So now we can proceed, okay? So now that we've clarified that, we are going to dive here into this practice of Sabbath that is an essential part of the rule of life. And so as we get started, I want to tell you about one of the hardest things that I have ever decided to do. It was the year of uh, 2017, so not that long ago. I was starting a therapy and coaching practice, and the goal was to be able to quit my full-time job where I was working for the government. Now, 2017 was, was moving along, and I had so much energy. I was in full-on entrepreneur mode. I would stay up until the wee hours of the morning, working on my business and trying to get everything going. And I was doing really well to the point where I was actually going to be able to quit my government job sooner than I expected. And so by August 7, uh, 2017, I was able to leave that job and be full-time with my business. And when I say full-time, I mean full-time. If you ever started a business or been an entrepreneur at any point in your life, or you are right now, you you know what it feels like to be full-time. You are in it every day, seven days a week. You're thinking about it. It is like 
just what you do. And so by the end of that year, I was like starting to feel the effects of being on all the time. And so Josh and I started having this this conversation about what it would look like to implement Sabbath rest and prioritizing that as a part of our practice of faith. But here's the thing. If you know me, or maybe you can relate to this, some of us aren't the resting types, okay? Some of us are the movement types, okay? In my house, we've got four people, and there are two uh, rule followers that really like rest and are really good about those rhythms. And then there's two of us, we kind of call ourselves the sharks. You know how they say if a shark stops moving, it dies? Um, for a human, usually those people, if they stop moving, they fall asleep, Is there anyone out there like that? Okay, there's a few of us, right? So it's just like, there's always something to do and new ideas. And sometimes even if you sit there long enough, you start to feel the sense of guilt, like I should be doing something. And so rest really was not just a counter-cultural practice for me. It was counter-personality. I was fighting all of the different force fields that were gonna keep me from doing this. But I felt that this was something that we needed to start practicing. This was a commandment. And I was like, okay, I'm cool with like the don't kill, don't lie, don't steal, but Sabbath is on that short list and I'm ignoring it. What's up with that? So I, I started to consider what this would look like and I, and I was like really worried because here I have you know clients lined up every day of the week and I'm like, I, if I take a day off, I'm gonna lose people. Right, I'm gonna ch- so I'm gonna change things. I'm gonna throw people off, and so I I just decided, okay, we're gonna do this on Monday, the day after Sunday, because we're Josh and I were both on pastoral staff, and we were like, we're gonna just take the day off after Sunday, and I I just thought, okay, I'm gonna try to see what happens here, and you know what's crazy is my clients adapted, and everybody everybody figured it out, and we stayed with Monday until July of 2020. I started a job that I couldn't have Mondays off anymore, and so. We were like, okay, we're committed to this practice of Sabbath. And so we started um, doing it on, on Saturdays. And I was very diligent about that until the fall of 2021. And some of you were around during that time. Our churches were beginning to merge. Tallgrass Church at the time and uh, the well were becoming what is now here today, Mosaic Church. And it was all hands on deck. Meanwhile, with my other job that I do full-time, there were weekend events, there was stuff going on. I was preaching a lot. And I was busy. I would, I would just be like, on a Saturday, if I was preaching, I was like there sitting on my couch for 10 hours writing my sermon because I was like, this is the only time I have. And so I stopped this practice, ironically, so I could preach more, <laughs> um, of Sabbath. And by 20, December of that year, I was sick. I had an infection. I had made all these health goals and I had made progress. I lost all of it. And I was like, wait a minute, what's the one thing I'm missing? I had to realize that it was Sabbath. And so in 2022, over the last year, I brought it back and I was committed. And I was like, you know what? It doesn't really matter if it's Saturday. I just need to have this practice of rest implemented into my life that I can count on. And what was so amazing was that my health started to improve and I had mental health issues and physical health issues that had just been like hanging out there around me like a cloud and I hadn't been able to really address them. And with this new commitment, things started to align and I started to find some solutions and it was really, really powerful. And by the end of last year, I was like in this really good place. And I was like, wow, you know, it's not only Sabbath, but it gave me the room to do work that I needed to do. And it turns out that my story is actually a microcosm of of a much broader experience of people who practice Sabbath on a regular basis. In Loma Linda, California, it's known as a blue zone 
It is the highest concentration of Seventh-day Adventists in the United States. Now, the interesting thing is Seventh-day Adventists are known for their strict adherence to the Sabbath. They practice that weekly, and their seventh day, their, their Sunday, is Saturday. And they take that day very seriously. A study of 34,000 people in California showed that Seventh-day Adventists were living longer than other Californians on average, 7.4 years for men and 4.4 years for women, which is notable, right? But let's look at the original practitioners of Sabbath, right? The Jewish people. Um, there's probably a lot more literature than this, but there was a couple that, that I found that were interesting. All the way back in 1934, pre-World War II, a literature review conducted by a well-known statistician, Dr. Lewis Dublin, concluded that Jewish people live longer than the average population uh, with a lower mortality rate of 10 to 20% on average. And fast forward 75 years, a national study in England and Wales found that there was a higher population of older Jewish people in England and Wales over and above other ethnic backgrounds. And so some of us might be hesitant to equate the observance of Sabbath with a, with a lifespan a longer lifespan, that's okay. You know, just because we all know if, you, if you've ever done statistics or you've taken, um, you know, research methods or anything like that, you're looking at me like, Sarah, you know, correlation isn't causation. Okay, okay, I know, all right? But it's still worth noticing. It's still worth noting. And there's a common saying in Hebrew culture that's credited to the Jewish poet Asher Ginsberg. And he says, more than Jews have kept Shabbat or Sabbath. The Shabbat has kept the Jews. With the many holidays and days of observance that are embedded into the rhythm, the annual routine of the Jewish calendar, Sabbath stands out to them as a cornerstone of the faith for Jewish people for thousands of years. And now for us as Christians, we are invited to step into this. And so I want to explore why Sabbath matters so much, why it is an essential practice for holistic health, right? Maybe you're here and you're like, you know, I don't really know where I stand with my faith. I'm not sure where I stand with Jesus. I'm not sure, you know, what, what's going on here. I'm still making up my mind. But Sabbath is a practice for holistic health all by itself. But for those of us who follow Jesus, this is an essential practice for us. And so I want to look at some of the ways that some of the things that make Sabbath especially important for us. So first off, Sabbath is a day to commemorate creation and recall our identity as ones who are made in the image of God. In Genesis 2, 1 through 3, it says, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day, and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. And so Sabbath allows us to remember our role as ones that are made in the image of God, right? If God is doing it, then it probably is good enough for us, right? It's a way that we practice being God's family members, being his kids, right? This is the family day off, right? We all practice this together. Second, Sabbath keeps us from the first core human sin of trying to be God. I don't know if you remember um, the, the story of Adam and Eve. Maybe you've heard this before. But in the story of Adam and Eve, the thing that was tempting wasn't the fruit, you guys. Okay? Like if you've ever, you know, been to a, a dinner party or something like that and they have all the food out 
Um, it's not necessarily the fruit that you're like, oh yeah, you know, I gotta go for that. I gotta get that apple, right? The apple wasn't the thing that was tempting. It was what was going to happen on the other side because Satan was saying to them, if you eat that, if you eat from the knowledge of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will be like God. That was the original sin, was to say that maybe I could also be God. Why was Satan doing that? Because that was his thing that he fell for right? He also wanted to be God. That's what put him in the situation that he was in, separated from God. And so when we, as followers of Jesus, practice Sabbath, it is a day to recognize that we are not God, right? Because what happens during the six days of our work week, you guys, we start to accumulate this sense of responsibility and increasing burden, don't we? It feels like all the things going on with my family or my, my job or my community or my volunteer work or the different roles that we have, it all starts to stack up. And doesn't it feel like you just can't take a break? That if you stop shouldering the burden for one second, the whole thing is coming down. Doesn't it feel like that? right? Sabbath invites you to step away and find out that it stands and that the world continues to move because it is not you who is holding it up. You are not God. Isn't that awesome? Right? That's a, that we should all breathe a sigh of relief that we are not God. And so practicing Sabbath allows us to remember that we are not God and to keep ourselves from that sin of competing with God, trying to be him. Third, in a world of inequality and an obsession with productivity. And this is not new, by the way, right? This same set kind of greed is what brought us slavery from, from the European countries into our country, right? Inequality, obsession with productivity, subverse, uh, Sabbath is a subversive act of social justice because it is for Everyone, it is not for just the wealthy and just the privileged and just the elite. If you read Deuteronomy 5, where God is implementing Sabbath, it is done as an act of social justice to react against the habits of slavery that were ingrained in the Hebrew people after hundreds of years. He says, observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your ox or your donkey or any of your animals. Nobody should be doing any work, nor any foreigner residing in your towns, so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. Why? Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. After centuries of slavery, the Hebrew people needed a new way to live. They were going to work every day. It felt like they had to, right? And part of that was true. Do you remember when um, there, there was, uh, they, were, they were out in the desert, and they were complaining about food, and you might have heard the story about how this bread showed up on the ground, which I'm kind of a germ freak, so I'd be like, there's bread on the ground. I'm not really going to do that. You guys dusted off for me. I'm probably not going to go there. But they were eating this bread. 
that they called manna, which means what is it? So they were just like, do you have any what is it left over? Um, and so every day, this bread would show up on the ground in the morning, except on the Sabbath, because there would be twice as much the day before for them to gather. And so this is a people that can't go to the grocery store for one trip for a week, right? They can't just be like, okay, I got my trip. I did my, my uh, click it thing with Dylan's or I did my Instacart delivery. And so I'm good, right? They have to go out there and physically get the food. And so this idea of Sabbath actually feels impossible, except that God makes a way for them to do that. And he says, everyone is in. No one needs to be out there, not even your animals, not anyone who's a foreigner among you, people who are working for you as your, your help, your slaves or your servants, because that was part of their culture at the time. No one was working on the Sabbath. It was a new way to live. And it wasn't just for the wealthy and privileged. It was a way to treat each other. It was a way to provide honor to everyone, no matter who they were, no matter their position on the social strata. And just as an example, there are some companies that actually implement this, which is really interesting. One of the places of highest employee burnout is, no surprise, the fast food industry, right? There's a 107% rate of employee turnover, 107%. That's like more than 100%, okay? So it's like real high, okay? Um, and we know that with Chick-fil-A, they are one of the restaurants that does not stay open on Sunday. In fact, they're one of the only ones. So here's what's interesting. Their turnover rate in an industry with 107% turnover rate, their turnover rate is 60%. And yet in recent years, their per restaurant sales has been higher than other, than all other restaurants in the fast food industry. What is up with that? right? So here's this, here's this restaurant, here's this company that, that suggests that perhaps implementing a Sabbath and taking a day off, you can actually inspire employee retention and loyalty without compromising sales. Doesn't that feel like that's exactly the opposite of our culture, right? That doesn't feel like what business schools are going to tell us to do. But employee loyalty and retention can actually improve sales, right? And we all know that if you want Chick-fil-A and it is it's nine o'clock on a Saturday. You better go. You better go right now because you're going to have to wait like 36 hours, okay? And so you know that, right? <clears throat> we all know the Chick-fil-A rules and we make it work and so do they. So what is the Sabbath? I want, I want us to have a moment here of something of a climax, of a moment where it's like, hey, this is all leading up to this. Sabbath is not a place. It is a time. It is a sacred time. And there's a reason for that, that God called this day, he called this time holy. And the reason is because Sabbath is for the sojourner. It is for the person who is in motion, the person who is on a journey. Sabbath does not require you to be sitting in a church or a temple, or a synagogue. It doesn't require you to be in your hometown or sitting in your house. Sabbath understands that you are going somewhere, that your life is evolving, that you move to take a, a job in another city, or you're traveling for a vacation, or something is going on. There's, there's a hard trial in your life. Sabbath is a time. It is a dedicated, holy, blessed time 
that occurs on a regular basis in your life that you can step into, and it's like a new room, a room of blessing, a room of rest, a room of reset, and it's just time. But that, this is something that's really powerful about the way that Hebrew people see time is that it is in itself a space, right? We tend to think like, okay, I worship God or I pray. I read, I read my Bible like maybe in my house or on my couch or, you know, I go to church and, I, and it's like, that's where I worship, right? That's where this thing happens. Isn't it interesting to think of holiness, of, of time as holiness instead of just a space, right? It's just a little bit different way of thinking about it. And it's made for us as sojourners. We can take it with us wherever we go. So what is Sabbath? To summarize here, Sabbath is a sacred time that can go anywhere with you. It travels with you. It's a day of rest, delight, remembrance. It's permission to stop and reset. It's the gift of being the child not being God. You get to take a break. And it's the call to treat ourselves and others with fairness and equity. So how do we put this into practice in our lives? How do we actually take Sabbath seriously? What does this look like? I want to talk through a few different things here. So first off, if you're like, I don't do this, I'm the 70-a-week person, Sabbath actually freaks me out. I'm, a, I'm worried that if I do this, I relate to that feeling of like, the whole thing's gonna come down, right? And I have been there. I hope that you heard in my story how I've wrestled with this over the years, right? How we committed to do it and it was scary and then it worked and then it felt like it wasn't gonna work. And then, you know, I sort of, in some ways, like paid the price internally for compromising what I knew I needed to do, right? I got, I was ill. And you know what? Some of you are like, I'm not having a Sabbath and I'm fine. Nothing is happening to me. I'm not like Sabbath is, if Sabbath is for rest, I'm good, right? But Sabbath is for so much more than that, right? It's not just for rest, right? It is that call to social justice. It is that call to sacred time. And so it is so important that we at least begin implementing little bits of Sabbath into our lives. And so if you have no practice at all, I would just encourage you to set aside a day with a few hours in it, where you're like, okay, this is gonna be my Sabbath practice. And it's gonna be, you know, maybe it's a Saturday morning and you have stuff that afternoon, you have commitments with work, you have social stuff, but you're like, I'm just gonna take a Sabbath and I'm gonna wake up whenever I want and I'm going to do something I enjoy and that's gonna be my dedicated time. And if somebody says to me, hey, do you wanna do this? Or can you come to this event? Or can you help me? Or can you volunteer here? You will say... I have a previous commitment, okay? Because the thing is, is we go, well, it's open technically. No, it's not. You have something, right? And that can be true for any time that you need to like prioritize yourself, right? You have something going on and someone asks you, you know, can you help me with this? And technically that time is like open, but it's for you or something that you wanna do. The answer is no, I have a previous commitment, okay? All right, you just have to have that like script in your brain. So that can be just a few hours a day. But if you're already doing something like that and you're like, okay, I'm ready to really commit to this full day. Something that's really cool about the Hebrew practice is they start in the evening and they go to the next evening. And it took me a really long time to understand that. First off, 
if you look at Genesis, it talks about <clears throat> the Bible uh, or how God created the earth. He would say there was evening and there was morning the first day. There was evening and there was morning second day. And I was like, okay, that's, you know, what is that about? Part of it is the way that we actually experience our, the rhythms of our lives is when you get to the evening of a day, you're thinking about the next day, right? You're like kind of like, okay, I gotta like, you know, maybe send this email or lay out my clothes or think about what I need to do and you're preparing for that day. So you're not really in rest mode anymore, are you, right? If you are like, hey, tomorrow morning I get to sleep in, then that night, you know, before, like some in, in our house, what uh, Friday nights look like for us because our Sabbath is on Saturday. We will, Josh and I will often go out on a date and then we'll come home and we'll do like a family movie with the kids and we'll, you know, they order pizza and we just have fun. It's just a fun day. And then you get to sleep in however long you want. Now, my second kid, he had to make a resolution to sleep in because he's the, the rule follower. He literally made a resolution in school, sleep in. Uh, because he likes to get up and, and get his day going. But we all sleep in as late as we feel like. Um, and we just, we have brunch. Sometimes brunch is like 2 p.m., you guys, because we're just like, eh, eventually we'll get there. And that is the amazing part of, of what we're doing. And so it starts in the day before. And then I noticed that by Saturday evening, I'm ready to start thinking about Sunday morning. I'm ready to start looking at some things and planning. And so that evening to morning is a really great rhythm. Another thing that I noticed about it though um, is that in the Hebrew culture and the, the practice that is us as Christians we're trying to follow is that we, we live from rest first, right? And so here's what's interesting. If your day starts with the evening and ends with the morning and the, and the sunlight hours, what's happening is you're having a meal, you're eating, you're, you're doing something with, with people that you care about, right? And then you sleep, and then the work is the last thing you do, right? How we mentally, in our you know, American way of thinking, you wake up and you're like, ah, oh, and then you have to work. And then because you worked so hard, maybe you can rest. Maybe you can have a nice meal with your family or your friends, and maybe you can sleep a little bit, Right? That's how we think about it. But I love the Hebrew idea is that you're, you're eating together, you're sleeping, and the last thing you do is work. Isn't that cool? Right? So thinking about time differently in that way and setting up your Sabbath so that it's an evening and a day, and then you, have, you end up actually working on Friday and on Saturday. Isn't that interesting? Okay? So you really don't miss a beat. But you end up with this whole 24 hours of rest. Pretty awesome. So how should you spend a Sabbath? What are some things that you can do? I'm not gonna tell you exactly. I just wanna give you some categories. So first off, one of the things that we really try to do, and if I don't do this, it's not good because I get like, I call it a trance when you're on social media or you're reading the news and you start scrolling. Doesn't it feel like a trance? Because you like come out of it and you're like, whoa, like time just stopped, right? Um, so we like to put our phones on do not disturb and then we even have like a charging drawer in the, um, in the kitchen that like everything can plug into. So everybody can put their phones to bed and their devices to bed at night. And it's like, people are so amazing about this, you guys. Everyone knows that we practice Sabbath and they'll be like, don't reply to this Slack message today. Don't reply to this email. Don't reply to this text. Let, you know, you can, you can come back to me tomorrow or they just won't even reach out to us at all because they know that we're all doing this in our house. And it's pretty amazing. So our phones are put away, our devices are put away. Now I do read on my iPad, but I can restrict 
with screen times and screen limits, like what I'm reading. And it helps me a little bit, but I like my Kindle. So I'm reading, I'm thinking about things that I wanna do. I often have to make a list because um, do, you, do you ever have like a day off where your plans get canceled and you're like, oh, I actually don't have anything to do. And then you like don't know what to do with your time. Does that ever happen to you? You're just like, I have free time and I'm like sitting here and you feel like, ah, I'm gonna waste it. And then you sort of panic because you have like this constellation of ideas that pop up in front of you in your brain. And you're like, I could do this, I could do this. I don't wanna waste it, I don't wanna waste it. And you start panicking and then you do nothing and then you waste it. Dang it, right? Okay, so this is like an experience that a lot of us have. So as you go through your week, you can start putting things down. Like, oh, I wanna make sure and take a hike. There's this new trail that I found. I want to go. That's something that I would do. Or I really like going to the bookstore and like wandering around and like getting a new poetry book, right? I really like reading Wendell Berry and Mary Oliver because they observe nature in a really powerful way that for me is really restorative. So if I can't be out in nature, I'm reading Wendell Berry and Mary Oliver or some of these other poets and I'm able to kind of like get back into it a little bit. Um, so those are some of the, the things that I do. I also try to like not make a lot of food I do not want, um, you know, to have to cook a big meal or anything like that. I like it to be really simple. So anything you can do to plan ahead, maybe have a simple meal that you can throw in the crock pot or just something really easy so that you're not doing a lot of work and tidying up your space so that you're not sitting in a house that feels like it needs to be cleaned and you have that like anxiety about it's cluttered, I'm gonna do something. And there are times where I'm on my Sabbath and I'm like sweeping the floor and wiping down the countertops and I'm in shark mode, okay? And Josh would be like, Sarah, you're gonna to need to like let that sit. And it's like, I'm doing the thing, right? And it's like, it's, it, I'm in my holy time, but I'm not doing it. I'm not using the practice for what it's for, right? And so that time is, is going on without me. So making that list is really important. Planning ahead just a little bit. And again, even if you only have like three hours, you still have to plan ahead to make use of that time, don't you? So as we continue this practice, uh, talking about uh, the rule of life, talking about rest, uh, Pastor Josh is going to be back here next week. And he is going to be digging further into this practice of rest. And he's going to be talking about eliminating hurry, the practice of eliminating hurry. And so we want to invite you back to join us on this journey. So to close today, um, I, I've noticed that, as I mentioned, Mary Oliver is someone who I think practices Sabbath better than most of us. And so uh, if we were to imagine what you might do on a Sabbath, and, and maybe especially one uh, that I would choose, her poem, The Summer Day, is what Sabbath might feel if we really let ourselves settle into the practice. And so you can read along with me here. Who made the world? Who made the swan and the black bear? Who made the grasshopper? This grasshopper, I mean, the one who has flung herself out of the grass, the one who is eating sugar out of my hand, who is moving her jaws back and forth instead of up and down, who's gazing around with her enormous and complicated eyes. Now she lifts her pale forearms and thoroughly washes her face. Now she snaps her wings and floats away. I don't know exactly what a prayer is. I do know how to pay attention, how to fall down into the grass, how to kneel in the grass, how to be idle and blessed, how to stroll through the fields, which is what I have been doing all day. Tell me, what else should I have done? Doesn't everything die at last and too soon? Tell me, what is it you plan to do? 
with your one wild and precious life. Don't waste your life. Don't let all of it stack up. Take time to be idle and blessed. Take time to notice what is around you and to pay attention to the people and and nature and the rhythms that are happening all around you. I want to encourage us to do that. And so part of this practice of rest and connection with each other, with ourselves, with God, and with the earth, one of those essential practices is communion. And so we're going to be practicing communion together today. And so I'd like to invite our worship team back up and our communion servers up here as well. For those of you who are familiar, communion is an invitation to reconnect with ourselves and with God. And Jesus said that this practice is to be done in remembrance of him, in remembrance of the sacrifice that he made for us. And so we want to invite you into this, um, into this uh, practice of communion. And so when you're, when you're coming up, we're just going to have two lines here, um, and you can come up through the center aisle and then back to your seat, just for a little bit of housekeeping there. Um, and before we say the Lord's Prayer, Before we do communion, I I want us to uh, stand together, and we're going to recite the Lord's Prayer. So you can say this with me. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen. This teaching was recorded by Mosaic Church in Manhattan, Kansas, where we're uniting people in the way of Jesus. For more resources like this, visit mosaicmhk.com.